ओं सदाशिव सरंभाचार्यमध्यचार्यपर्यता वंदे गुरुपरंपरा श्रुतिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्द शोकशंक शंकराचार्य केशव वादरागण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्यादेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओं सहनावतु सहनौ भुनक्तु सह वीर करवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावहै so one more uh, text we are going to study online and this is the famous dakshinamurti stotram and many of you have requested this from a long time and have waited patiently until you know this the time came for this to to uh, be taught there are uh, several reasons why this text is uh, worth waiting to study and we will be exploring some of that and there are also there is also an important reason why it is not taught at the beginning of one's quest you know many reasons are there one important reason is that you don't want to lose even the few people few and far between people that might be interested in vedanta you don't want to put them off and uh, you know that's not the reason it's just for fun i'm saying that so you don't want to put them off because you know it is it is uh, it, there is no elbow room to kind of get comfortable on you know a number of issues such as who is this for why should we study this and what are the qualifications that one needs to have in order to gain the message what is the message and the message is very simple you are brahman you are ishvara you are non separate from the whole it is simple but at the same time extremely profound and uh, for these reasons it is uh, it is very difficult to assimilate in the beginning in the beginning people the mumukshus jignasus people interested in the knowledge are looking for some stories some way to engage with one another with the uh, you know with the message of the uh, you know with uh, with the message of vedanta and uh, so this starts off at a level 
where a number of things including you know uh, the uh, the basic understanding of how vedanta operates and the teaching methodologies are all taken for granted that is why over a period of several years even though people kept uh, requesting me to teach this i kept saying you know let us wait let us wait let us wait and looks like the time has come now and it is uh, you know very interesting because when the time is right you know nothing can stop it and when the time is not right nothing can make it happen and uh, how do we know the time is right because i'm here and so are all of you and uh, another way uh, was uh, i had uh, sent out a request to arshavidya gurukulam saying that you know if you have a transliteration because you know transliteration writing everything takes a long time please send it to me and uh, even though i just sent it to one person you know in arshavidya you know that person sent it to few other people and before you uh, before i could you know understand what was happening i was inundated with so many translations and so many transliterations it was as though bhagavan was you know saying okay here you know teach this take this and this is the, the time is is right and so uh, this is a very uh, important shloka uh, shloka means that you know that which is a uh, mantra or a something set in verse a poem set in verse which is a like a praise poem a poem of praise is called shloka so and the same thing with the word stotra comes from stu to praise stotram you know stavanat trayate iti stotram stotram means that which protects by you know by the very praise by praising something one is protected that is the meaning of shloka and stotram together you know both same same meaning so this is you know like we have things ending in tra like mantra and then what else you know tantra yantra and then you know stotra and like this you know in sanskrit we have all these short forms that which ends in tra so uh, the words that end in tra means trayate that which protects upon praise now this sounds like a very dysfunctional <laughs> state of affairs you know you praise something and then it protects you very codependent correct and just like you know in the past in the feudal times these uh, you know what were they called the farmers peasants used to praise the land owners and be on their good side and then they would get some protections they would you know share croppers all these people they would get some protections they would not be ousted from the land and then you know they would carry some small favors this is not like that this is not to be confused 
with some kind of you know apple polishing or you know or praise so that one's position you know in the in the job in the world in the relationship is a little more secure no here stotra means it's the you know because that stavanam that praise is being directed to what the truth of oneself it is being directed to the almighty and omniscient all knowledge all pervasive lord bhagavan who is manifest here in the form of the teacher in the form of the adi guru not only teacher but the first teacher and so really that kind of a bhagavan is not requiring our praise this much we have to you know understand that which doesn't require validation that which doesn't require buttering up apple polishing or praise is the definition of bhagavan because this is what we call purnata purnatvam purnatvam means what purnatvam means complete that completeness is is what is you know is is what is talked about here and that completeness is your own swarupa it's everyone's swarupa and what kind of a swarupa is it swarupa means one's own nature it's one's own nature and you know and this nature is something which appears to be far away but actually it is not so one is as though so to speak alienated from one's own nature and being alienated from one's own nature means what that means that i have to reconnect reconnecting with one's own nature is studying vedanta that's all vedanta is vedanta is reconnecting with myself reconnecting with the message that i am whole because somewhere somehow because of agnyanam that understanding is not there one is born with that non understanding and what does the stotram do here the stotram you know protects upon repetition because and protects upon the, the praise itself protects because who are you praising you are praising that vision which is the truth of oneself embodied in the in the adi guru in the first teacher so this is the meaning of the word stotram stavanat trayate iti stotram and then who is this stotram for lord dakshinamurti we have to say and you know and this lord dakshinamurti is is uh, the presiding deity adhishthana devata of what of all students of vedanta no matter where you go yeah you go to any vedanta ashram there will be something connected with dakshinamurti there you have to see and this is not something which is you know which you see often in uh, all the places you go to any uh, you know mandir temple dakshinamurti will not be there generally speaking because you know dakshinamurti is not popular like goddess lakshmi 
yeah goddess lakshmi means everybody comes she attracts you know she bestows the, the way in which she bestows grace is is you know helps one to you know connect to a certain you know sense of lack she who removes lack is lakshmi yeah so lakshmi so therefore what the uh, you know she is very popular and ganesha is very popular ganesha is popular vigna karta you know puts all the obstacles in the form of one's own karma phalas and then what you propitiate or you you know turn to lord ganesha for the removal of all those obstacles ganesha is very popular you know even if you see in uh, in india if you look at all the uh, cars and then they will all have one one ganesha at the dashboard similarly if you go to a hindu temple and look in the parking lot you know all the cars most of the cars will have one one ganesha so like this there are many you know forms of bhagavan the hindu tradition being such that you can invoke bhagavan in all names and forms so there are many forms which are much more popular that we will find than this you know this bhagavan with a long name dakshina murti so dakshina murti is for those few people few and why few because it takes a lot of emotional and inner maturity to fall in love with dakshina murti as one's ishta devata see this concept of ishta devata means a a form of the lord that i choose for my own purpose of worship is you know is is unique to the hindu dharma and here this ishta devata in the form of lord dakshina murti is not is for a chosen few ha <laughs> chosen means dakshina murti chooses me no i choose dakshina murti and when i look upon the lord in this way that means that i am one of the few few people that are you know who is ready for this knowledge what knowledge to be connected to my own glory from which i have been alienated due to atma avidya atma avidya means self ignorance so that therefore this is a very uh, rare form and an unusual form not easily found it is a manifestation of lord shiva you can see a lot of similarities and then it is an unusual form because it is not seen you know in most temples you will not see it and uh, so therefore it is uh, highly you know it's 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 very rare and a highly coveted form and the stotra the praise song or the praise poem for this highly coveted form is also equally highly coveted and you know the um, author of this is adi shankara acharya adi shankara and therefore it is uh, it is a wonderful you know it is a wonderful exposition of not only 
what Lord Dakshinamurti is, but what you are. That's what it is. Studying about Dakshinamurti is no different than studying about oneself. And, you know, so with these words, let us look at the text and then, you know, we will unfold uh, accordingly. So let us chant the first one. We have what is called, uh, in the beginning, we have a few dhyana shlokas. Dhyana shlokas means some kind of a, um, some kind of a aid, a helpful aid with which to focus the mind, to prepare the mind for what is to come. So why can't we just sit and meditate? One can meditate, but another way, this is like a meditate, another way is to chant the meditational verses that take the mind into the mood of this exposition and, and take the mind to a certain place of calmness, readiness and preparation to be able to receive this knowledge. And that is basically what the purpose of Dhyana Shloka is, one of the purposes. And then the second purpose of the Dhyana Shloka is to visualize a particular form of the Lord because you can't really worship or sing a song of praise or chant or recite a poem of praise to the formless. This vritti or this, this kind of a thinking has to go. Yeah. This kind of a thinking has to go because it's not going to help you at all. Because how can you chant to the formless? What are you doing? I'm chanting to the formless. Are you? What are you going to chant to the formless? I'm worshipping the formless. You can't worship the formless, you know. And, you know, that which is formless is you. You can understand the formless as you and you can, you know, see the truth of yourself as formless, nameless, genderless, all these things. But then you can't, you know, worship the formless. If we are talking of worship and relating, you relate to another person. You can't relate to the formless. You relate to another person. And here we relate to the persona of Lord Dakshinamurti in a, you know, through these charts. And the, so the second purpose of the Dhyana Shloka is to visualize the form and function of this particular Adhishthana Devata of Vedantic teaching. Who is this Devata and who is this Dakshinamurti? What is the particular form? So form and function. What does he look like? And then what does he do? These are the two things, you know. In order to uh, identify somebody, first you have to say, what does this gentleman or this lady look like? Oh, wearing glasses. Oh, okay, medium build. And then, you know, wearing a suit or wearing a sari, whatever it is you, you want to say. Identificatory, you know, certain kind of uh, things are there to list. And then the next question is, what does the person do? Is the person a lawyer? A no. Is the person a doctor? No. Is the person unemployed? Yes. And then what? You know, 
you know in america we don't have any kind of a, what's the word for it you know you don't have a slot for the sadhu here we have a slot person is unemployed means what immediately no bank account no nothing no uh, you know uh, no job immediately one says is the person a you know hermit or some kind of an ascetic or some kind of a sadhu and then you say yes you know so like that we have you know uh, we have a certain way to relate through the form and through the function and without visualizing that we don't know what we are relating to and then you know then we are once we chant and understand the dhyana shlokas then we are poised to enter into that knowledge into that space that lord dakshinamurti occupies and when we enter that space through the exposition of the shlokas uh, which are come which is called dakshinamurti ashtakam eight shlokas and then what happens we are sharing the same space of knowledge of you know of expounding the truth of ourselves we are sharing the same space as the lord we are in that place and so the dhyana shlokas you know that's the very important function of the gnana shloka the dhyana shlokas to acquaint the person uh, with the form function name and actions of that particular deity which is being invoked then there is one more function of the dhyana shloka one more function of the dhyana shloka means what the you know the the dhyana shloka frequently is uh, written for uh, you know for people who are sculptors yeah so the dhyana shloka is recited by the sculpt dhyana shloka or shlokas there could be more than one the dhyana shloka is recited by the sculptors repeatedly they visualize this is the form you know having chin mudra having this kind of a teaching mudra we'll see all that and then having the veda in one hand having the mala in one hand having the you know damaru in one hand in the upper hand having the fire brand in another hand seated is the murti seated or standing seated upon what is the murti seated that also matters you know like durga is seated upon the tiger lion and the tiger and lion you know uh, represent the bestial uh, portion the bestial aspects of one's nature the unconscious mind from which all the anger and then all the fear and all that come so the bestial uh, nature is you know is is signified by the tiger signified by the lion and all these you know uh, all these difficult to deal animals those animals you should you know just respect from far you don't go into the you don't visit the zoo and then tell the jaguar you know please pose with me for a selfie and then you cross over the barrier and then you think oh it is sitting somewhere it will not come it will come yeah and it will <laughs> they are all highly territorial and one lady 
across the barrier to take a selfie went over the enclosure and then after that had to go straight to the hospital to get the scratches and the bites attended to this is what happens so this is how anger comes you know another story i read at one uh, gliding skydiving person was there paraglider or something and then you know he just landed in one open field and he was so happy oh what a lovely day what a nice paragliding and this open field belonged to some kangaroos somewhere in australia <laughs> and then what happened the kangaroo comes as soon as he lands and knocks him off and then goes you know earning thereby its name not kangaroo kangaroo <laughs> yeah so these things happen these these are wild animals and the wild animals you know over uh, over that the deity is sitting means what you know that durga has commanded the unconscious where all wild things ensue from wild means without any cause apparent cause without logic without cause and then something intractable and untamed is you know is what is called wild and so too within the gamut of human emotions there are certain reactions there are you know uh, there there is anger there is despair there is fear suddenly one becomes angry you cannot stop it and that's why when a person is angry you cannot say don't be wild they'll be even more wild if you say that and so like this you know there are you know they, they, this visualization of the form is done by the sculptor to keep on you know dwelling upon that so that when that you know sculpting is taking place when that chisel and the hammer you know is being applied to the stone and sandpaper whatever else to smooth it out you know that you know visualization of the lord is first and foremost in the mind is become part of the sculptor so the dhyana shlokas are not like mula mantra mula mantra is different mula mantra is the esoteric aspect of the dhyana shloka where the you know where what that deity represents on a very high level on an abstract level is talked about you know om namo bhagavate dakshinamurtaye mahyam shriyam medham pragnyam prayachchasvaha you know om namo bhagavate dakshinamurtaye my salutations my surrender to the lord dakshinamurti to bhagavan dakshinamurti mahyam unto me what shriyam you know shriyam means all kind of auspiciousness and then medham you know uh, medham is intellect pragnyam wisdom of myself as the wisdom of the truth of myself as purna as not lacking anything prayachcha give me swaha i let go of even this prayer this is a very abstract you know mantra the mula mantras are abstract they are very important in the process of consecration of the deity but here we are not talking of consecration we are talking of the 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 actual sculpting of the akara so the sculptors all have to be devotees otherwise it doesn't work uh, you see the devotion and the dedication of the sculptor in the 
in the murti, in the akara that is sculpted. And in fact, if you ask a sculptor, how did you make this so nicely? You know, he will generally say what? He or she will say that who am I to sculpt the Lord? So what did you do with your hammer and chisel? I merely removed the non-Lord portions from the stone, from the monolith that was there. So the stone is brought to the place, the yard is usually it's in the backyard. I mean you go to some of the lanes in Chennai and some of the small, small places in Tamil Nadu and then you will see there are whole rows and this tapping sound is constantly heard and it's not, you know, there's not big factory, there's not uh, people coming from 9 to 5 and it's just in the backyard of the people where they just, right there they live and then they just come out and work on it and then go eat or sleep and then come back and resume the the sculpting and then if you ask them how did you make this they will just say inside this monolith stone granite or whatever it is in this stone marble whatever it is the possibility of lord was already there so what did you do i merely you know removed what was not the Lord, not the Lord, not the Lord, not the Lord, not the Lord. And what remains is the Lord. This is just like Vedanta. So, you know, there is a, there is a, a big, you know, there is a big mix-up of I and not I, Atma and Anatma. And then what? And the teaching chisels away the not I, not I, not I, not I, not I, so that the I is sculpted. So the eye is sculpted? No, no. How can the eye be sculpted? The eye is a possibility that was always there. Eye is always there. That which never goes away is eye. And that eye is there. And then neti neti. So through the words that, you know, remove all misconception. I am as good as I am is always there. I am is present. I am is equal to the body. You know, tap, 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 hammer, hammer, hammer gone, I am as good as the mind, I am restless, I am angry, I am hungry and then this new word, I am hangry means angry and hungry at the same time <laughs> I let go so so long I remained without food that now I am angry because I am hungry so the mental state and the pranic situation all coalesce into a new emotion called hanger <laughs> so whether it's a hanger or hangover it's not you correct and so that is removed you are as good as the mind I'm as good as the mind no you know not so not so not so tap 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 removed I'm tall I'm short I'm you know I can't see very well I can't hear very well all that removed I'm blonde removed I am a brunette removed and uh, I have no hair, I am bald removed. What a way to identify oneself, you know. I am a bunch of yellow hair, I am a bunch of black hair, brown hair and then what? No hair, I am just, uh, I am the absence of hair. <laughs> I am bald, very funny. And so, like this, all those identifications, tap, 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 removed, 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 removed. What comes out is aham, you know that aham, which is, un, you know, asanga, 
uninvolved in any of these things, without whose presence the body doesn't function, without whose presence the mind doesn't function, without whose presence the senses don't function, the eye of the eye, the ear of the ear, you know, the nose of the nose, the <laughs> tongue of the tongue, all these things, the touch of the touch, everything, mind of the mind. And that which makes everything function itself, not, without acting, Uswarupa is to make things function by lending its satta, by lending its existence, by lending its ability to, you know, to, uh, that's furanam, the ability, chetayati, chetayati means its ability to make things happen without doing anything. This is what it is. So it is exactly like the sculpting that is going on. So the Manasa shlokas, the dhyana shlokas also help with the inner sculpting of that, you know, you know that which is the Lord. It re it reveals the Lord within uh, for the sake of you know connecting with the eight shlokas that are going to come. So they, you know, and all of them. The first one, of course, is composed by Adi Shankara, but then there are some others which we chant in the tradition. All of them are not composed by Adi Shankara, but nonetheless, very uh, beautiful to hear. And, uh, you know, they may or may not be composed by Adi Shankara, we don't know, but very beautiful to hear, and it stays right on with the message. In fact, some people think that these Dhyana Shlokas, were, each of them, after the first one, were composed by one one Shishya of Adi Shankara, you know, Hastamalakiya, Sureshwara, and then uh, Padma Pada, and then what is the other one? Uh, one more is there. So all of them composed, uh, you know, one one uh, one one shloka like this. People say, and uh, so the you know that is the, uh, the that is the uh, that is the whole uh, uh, you know at least that's the belief in the tradition. Yeah, Totaka, thank you. So, the, uh, that, that's the, uh, you know, the, the, that's the belief in the tra tradition. And then we have, you know, these Dhyana Shlokas. And they are actually the first, you know, usually in all the, uh, you know, in all the deities uh, thing, the Dhyana Shloka is for the visualization on part of the devotee and also for the, uh, the, Sthapati, the, uh, what's his name, the sculptor, to visualize what, you know, and connect with what he or she is going to bring out. Very, very important. And then, you know, without that, uh, you know, one cannot really sculpt. The sculpting is not an ordinary thing. It's a very, very involved thing. And without being a devotee, as I said, one cannot sculpt. So, you know, before we begin, I'll just briefly talk about, you know, Dakshina Murti and then, uh, you know, and then let the shloka itself unfold the nature of the Lord, uh, the Dhyana shlokas themselves. So, uh, here I'll just talk about the grammatical derivation and leave it at that. So, the, the word Dakshina Murti has two derivations. Dakshina, you know, means south. So, the one Dakshina Abhimukha Murtihi Dakshina Murti. 
so the lord the murti the form that dares to face the southern direction you know south is the abode of lord yama yes and who is lord yama minion of death the adhisthana devata of death so south means you know direction wise south generally means death and so nobody likes their house to face south <laughs> in some parts of india it is seen as auspicious but generally speaking you don't want the house your house to face west which is the uh, abode of the setting sun and so that represents setting fortunes so vastu wise vastu means the spiritual uh, you know what is that some kind of a spiritual geomancy where you you know where you uh, say which direction attracts which direction repels you know how the sacred spaces the science of sacred spaces how to make the spaces you know more conducive to uh, one's you know abhivriddhi one's progress in life office space house space etc is called vastu and so you know nobody wants the house to face west because the setting fortunes you you know will follow the setting sun every every day and then generally people don't want you know the houses to face south either so what is left you know <laughs> east northeast like that those are the auspicious uh, what's its name you know uh, the uh, directions and then you know uh, uh, so therefore the real estate even though in america you are buying the the plot to to build your house the real estate people even though they may have nothing to do with vastu they know they will look at your face you know oh indian and then they will say i have a lovely little east facing plot <laughs> just for you and then how much is it it is this much how much is the other one oh that's only that much why why is this you know uh, 50000 dollars more because it faces east so if there's another ethnic group see for the chinese i think they have some other day they also have this vastu you know feng shui uh, and uh, japanese and chinese uh, you know so if the japanese people come they will have some other direction that is more auspicious and then you know they have uh, uh, what is that they have their own uh, price will jack up they will jack up the price based on the ethnicity so the real estate is becoming very clever and i have actually visited some people in a in a development in atlanta and where all the houses are facing east or northeast no other possibility is there so somebody made a lot of money in designing that subdivision so like this you know the south is the abode of realm of endings and how many people like endings nobody will raise their hands i don't want me to end i don't want you know anything that i like about my life to end so what i want is that which is unending that which is permanent so therefore the south is a place of fear for those who don't like endings which is everybody and one doesn't know that the only thing that doesn't end is you
the only non ending thing is you so not knowing that therefore one is very afraid of the south but here is dakshina abhimukha murtihi here is the lord that dares to face the south why because this lord he she and it is both he and she as we will see he she does not fear the south because is fully cognizant is fully one with the knowledge that i am not subject to any kind of termination ending finitude i am free from all endings this is this is completely understood and only the gyani and here the lord is presented as a gyani and a teacher is not afraid to face the south and so and you know has a has a waves to lord yama come and take what what will you take you will take my body take the body it's okay it's, it's old and uh, fragile and not, half the things are not working anyway you'll take the mind take the mind but you cannot take me because what i am that which is you know which is all pervasive always there and you know which is free from all kinds of endings so whatever you can take you take you cannot take me you know i because i am no longer identified with the body mind sense complex so therefore the gnani faces lord yama and lord dakshinamurti faces lord yama so we don't have to until we gain this knowledge and so therefore when you face lord dakshinamurti to pray to invoke you are facing the northern direction and the north is moksha yes north is moksha south is samsara you know samsara means endings always crying because something or the other i'm not getting what i want and whatever i want which i am getting is subject to ending and so therefore facing north is moksha and then moksha becomes a possibility because i'm facing the lord dakshina murti this is one meaning dakshina abhimukha murti hi and then the second meaning is you know the second derivation is dakshascha asau amurtascha so dakshina murti that a is seen as dakshina plus amurti amurti means whose essential nature is formless formless yeah why because your essential nature is formless and you are one with the lord you are non separate from that which is called the lord you are non separate from the teacher you are non separate from you know the jagat you are non separate from the lord ishvaro guru ratmeti murti bheda vibhagine so these distinction between jagat the individual jiva the individual person the jagat the, the world the universe starting with this body mind complex and then finally the lord all these are what you know these distinctions are just in the form of the so called duality they don't have a they don't have a leg to stand on because the truth of oneself is free of those very dualities so therefore in the second derivation lord dakshinamurthy is what amurtaha means formless very interesting so the formless lord here is you know whose nature is formless and then 
what does this you know what does this lord whose nature is formless what happens you know how do how is this uh, how is this understood through the you know through the um, through the finness of handling the teaching the pramana so the finness of handling the pramana pramana means the teaching methodology that is received from one's guru that is received from the veda and here we have the first guru the who is bhagavan you know the untaught bhagavan who is all knowledge teaching you know and this this bhagavan is dakshaha dakshaha means patuhu patuhu means the one who is adept adept at what revealing that you too just like him are formless that is the that is where the skill of the lord is so the even though there is you know uh, essentially non no form and for the sake of invocation you have all this you know insignia the damaru the fire and you know seated with the veda and the chin mudra these are the insignia the insignia are there but the truth of those insignia that represent the lord is formless all you have is daksha the one who is not attached to the form and the one who teaches you to not be involved with the form and the one who makes the very you know uh, uh, the very uh, uh, ignorance you know attached to the self disappear and daksha also means the one who is adept in manifesting this universe in holding forth this universe and taking back the universe dakshah samartah iti dakshinamurti so now let us look at the uh, let us look at the uh, first shloka the dhyana shloka and then understand it maunavyakya prakatita par वर्षिष्ठान्ते वसदृशि गणैर्वृत ब्रह्मनिष्ठी आचार्येन्द्रम करकलितचिन्मुद स्वात्मादनम दक्षिणामूर्ति लुक एट द वर्ब इन सांस्क्रिट वी ऑलवेज कैच होल्ड ऑफ दी वर्ब ईडे मीन्स आई वर्शिप या ide atmane pada it's a you know it's a declension that is not like patati patatah patanti so you cannot say idati you know idatha idanti idami you cannot say that would be wrong this is atmane pada so this is a particular kind of a uh, you know uh, declension of the verb so ide eed to worship ide i worship who do you worship dakshinamurtim Ide, I worship Lord Dakshinamurti, and then you know that is straightforward enough. And in fact, that's the last word in the in the whole mantra, Dakshinamurtim. You know, Ide, I worship Lord Dakshinamurti, 
and then all the other words are qualifying the lord dakshinamurthy these are all words that qualify that describe for the sake of sculpting for the sake of inner visualization for the sake of connecting to the lord all these are words that describe and in fact the first word you know which takes up in fact the whole first <laughs> line of the shloka other than yuvanam you know yeah so they you know is a compound mauna vyakhya prakatita parabrahma tattvam it's in second case you know it's in second case so we have to actually look at it as mauna vyakhya prakatita parabrahma tattvah you know so it's a long compound bahu and it's a compound called bahuvrihi compound bahuvrihi means it is not you know it is describing the person you know unlike you know describing an action or anything it is describing the person through various actions and what not so it is describing something other than what the compound is about you know so let us look at that mauna vyakhya vyakhyana or vyakhya means exposition vyakhya exposition so mauna vyakhya silent exposition mauna vyakhyanam silent exposition so the exposition of the teaching is happening but in a in a, not a verbally this is the idea here and we'll look at that in detail right now just understand the meaning that's all is uh, needed nothing more is needed understand the meaning so mauna vyakhya so the uh, exposition is happening silently silently it is uh, being exposed and the exposition of what you know and that that what is being you know expounded is given later prakatita parabrahma tattvam parabrahma tattvam is the subject of this mauna vyakhya the subject of this silent expounding or the silent exposition is what parabrahma tattvam parabrahma is the you know is the truth of oneself brahma brahman so that brahman which is para which is the ultimate without which there is you know uh, uh, nothing can work nothing can function in fact nothing can even exist that is para brahma everything is brahman you are brahman this is brahman that is brahman we know this and so this brahman para brahma tattvam tattvam means truth the essence of this brahma brahman is expounded you know prakatita means expounded so the so the word means the whole word mauna vyakhya prakatita parabrahma tattvam means by whom the uh, the essence of the knowledge of brahman as free of all duality free of all pain free of all sorrow free of fear etc free of you know uh, there being any anything other than brahman free of any other uh, you know any other entity is expounded silently through 
a silent method you know is you know by whom is is called mauna vyakhya prakatita parabrahma tatvam so parabrahma tatvan mauna vyakhya prakatitam yena saha so he by whom the essence of the truth of the upanishads truth of one being one with brahman is expounded in a silent fashion silence means what silence you don't have to worry because you you know the question will come and we'll deal with that why the silence you know you know why why has it to be in a silent way etc silence you don't have to worry because silence means what you know silence means that which is you know which cannot be uh, you know which cannot be expounded through words as an object here we are talking of the subject so the handling of the pramana will be different so that's the whole idea it's not that everything was you know talked about silently it's not that that is not the silence okay so we have to understand this uh, we have to understand this very very well and then you know uh, yuvanam yuvanam means what the the one who is uh, you know young yeah the teaching is always young ever fresh ever new ever present ever there and ever there for you and that is what is there and the one who symbolizes this teaching is also young at heart young because the young is not in age the one who is ageless the one who knows i am ageless is always young and so more we will see tomorrow okay ओम पूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्य ओं शाति 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 हरि ओं श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओ सी यू टुमारो ऑल द बेस्ट